Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. Just a little reminder that if you enjoy Probably True, you can bung me a couple of quid at patreon.com forward slash probably true. Or if you see me in the street, just hand me money. That's fine, too. You're listening to the award-winning Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring otherwise. One of the lads at work is a proper lad. In the let's, let's, let's kind of way. He's quite young and he's only just moved to London from the country somewhere. So he's being exposed to lots of new things and concepts that he's not known before. Stuff like that. He'd never even seen Big Ben until we went past it the other day. He acted like he didn't care, but I saw him taking a selfie in front of it when he thought no one was looking. Anyway, he asked me the other day, Scott, does it annoy you when people... He means him. I'm fairly certain no one over the age of 12 does this anymore. But does it annoy you when people say, that's gay, and they're talking about something being bad? And so I explained to him that, yes, it does. As when you do that, you're saying that being gay is a bad thing, and it's not bad at all. It can be quite fun at times, in fact. I was really polite and gentle with my explaining, because he's a good lad, and I respect the fact that he was asking about this kind of thing, because he's using it as an opportunity to learn about something he doesn't really know about, you know? Oh yeah, never thought of it like that, he said. And then he went on to ask me if I'd heard of rimming, because someone had told him about that and there was no way that could be real. To be honest, I really like it when he asks this sort of question, as it strokes my know-it-all ego, and it gives me a chance to do a little bit of good and help undo a little bit of the homophobia that's still floating around, generally. Ah, Scott, you could say. That's hardly homophobic, and besides, gays have equal marriage now, so homophobia isn't really a thing anymore. To which I would reply, How the fuck did you get into my house, random stranger? Also, you're dangerously wrong in two different ways there, so shut your noise hole, sit the fuck down, and I'll explain while we wait for the police to arrive. You see, like I said, using that's gay to mean that's bad equates being gay with being bad. It's the same as someone saying, you don't act gay, which is kind of funny, because I've had sex with a lot of guys, and I'm pretty sure that's the only gay act there is. Or, oh, you're gay, we should go shopping. What? Why? I hate shopping. I buy all my clothes online. That way I can try them on at home, decide which ones I like the look of, and send the rest back. I do exactly the same thing with Grinder, to be honest. The point is that these kind of tiny things, these microaggressions, push this idea that there's a certain way to look and act and dress to be gay or queer or LGBT or any other way, and that we're different because we're gay. We're not like everyone else. And that's the basis of homophobia in general, so yeah. They're small, but they exist, and they're symptoms of a bigger issue. In a really basic way, you could say it like this. Humans are pack animals. We've evolved and survived because we stick together in tribes, and groups of different sizes and definitions all kind of gel together. But on a very basic level, we separate everyone into two groups, us and them. The us is the trusted, accepted, loved group. They're our family, our friends, the ones we look after and who look after us. The them is everyone else. 
the other tribes that might threaten us. They're the ones to be feared and kept away from, distrusted and kept separate because we don't understand them properly. They're not like us. They're the tribe that might raid us and kill us and steal all our food or whatever. And anyway, these microaggressions help to keep that in line. Queer people are different. They act in certain ways. They think and do things differently. They are different. They are not like us and they should be feared, kept at arm's length. That's a really basic version. I'm not that clever. If you want to know more, you'll have to ask someone who knows about this kind of thing. But the thing is, the more queer people hear those words, those things that that push us out and make us to be the other, it leads to higher instances of depression among LGBT people. All most people want to do, not me, but what most people want to do is fit in. And they can't because there's all this stuff making them different, whether they want to be or not. And that leads to higher instances of depression among LGBT people. It's it's really quite dangerous. It's not a coincidence that the suicide rate is four times higher for LGBT people under the age of 24 than it is for straight people of the same age. <sighs> Christ, I was trying to keep this light and silly. Yeah, that's that's not where this is going. Still, here we are. And as for homophobia not being a thing anymore, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't even know where to start on that one. How about Ian Bainham, who was kicked to death in 2010 in Trafalgar Square, not in some tiny little inbred country town, but literally in the centre of London? Ah, oh, but that was years ago, Scott. You might interject. Oh, I chewed your way through the gag, did you, random listener? I would retort. Okay, then. How about Carl Johnson? August of this year, he moved to Rochdale in Manchester. He didn't know anyone in the area, and he went out to a bar to make new friends. And he got the shit kicked out of him for his trouble. Imagine being in a strange city, all alone, with no friends. You go out to try and meet some new people, and you end up near death. These aren't isolated incidents, these are just the ones I can remember. There are so many others. One of the ones that's really stuck with me recently was Dexter Pottinger. He was a gay activist living in Jamaica, which is a particularly homophobic country, by the way. He was named the face of Jamaican pride last year, and a few weeks ago he was stabbed to death in his home. Multiple stab wounds all over his body and blood everywhere. And you know, if I'd been at the gin a bit hard and was feeling particularly cynical, I'd say, well, that's what you get for being so defiantly out and proud in a place where people aren't keen on such things. And then I would feel incredibly bad about that thought having even crossed my mind. And so should you if you found yourself agreeing with it. Anyway, the thing about Dexter Pottinger's murder that really stuck with me was a phrase in the article reporting it. Neighbours reported hearing screams in the early hours of Wednesday morning, but did not tell the police. His neighbours were woken by the desperate screams of a man being stabbed to death, and they did nothing. I can't get my mind around that. Honestly, that sentence has been floating around in my head for days now. Imagine being the sort of person who doesn't see a problem with that. Who thinks that the best thing to do in that situation is just to roll over and just go back to sleep. Because, you know, fuck em. There's that old saying about evil flourishing when good people do nothing, but I don't think that applies here. Because if you hear a man screaming as he's stabbed to death and you do nothing, you are not a good person. I don't care if you go to church every weekend or how much money you give to charity or if you recycle. Doing nothing in situations like that is as bad as if you were holding the knife yourself. Worse, actually, because at least the killer stands a chance of being punished for what he did. 
on another subject, one of those god-awful pundit types in the US who declared that it seemed more credible that the storms and devastation were due to a lesbian mare than to climate change. Bitch, please. If homosexuals had anything to do with bad weather, you'd have had a farmhouse land on you years ago. Which, to be honest, would explain your face. It seems like this kind of thing's everywhere at the moment. I was reading the other day about the postal service in Australia to see how people felt about allowing same-sex marriage over there. It's not legally binding or anything. It just seems like a huge waste of time and money, but the anti-same-sex marriage brigade have really been frothing about it. Recently, there was a leaflet sent to about six million people equating marriage to a seatbelt and how only one man and one woman could make it work properly, which is the stupidest argument ever. Even Jurassic Park had seen through that one, and that was in the 90s. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go and watch it, and look out for the helicopter scene where they all struggle to get strapped in. Anyway, someone in the comments section had written, What if some queer kids saw this? It could be really damaging. And to be honest, they've probably seen and heard much worse already. That's not the point. We need to actively be showing all the queer kids this sort of thing. They need to see the idiocy and the hatred and the willful ignorance that's out there. They need to see that this fight just drags on and on, and it's time for you to grab your big girl pants and dive right in. More than that, these young queer kids need to know that they're not alone in this that there are good people out there, queer and otherwise, who are supporting each other and calling this shit out on every level. Because we sure as hell can't show them a perfect world where this sort of shit doesn't happen, but we can say we're working on it. And that means everyone. Because that's the important thing here. Shit might be bad, but you're not on your own. So if you're not queer or trans or any of the other things, great, good for you, have a biscuit. But you don't get to sit this one out. We who have to deal with this shit, who feel this so keenly because it affects us, we need allies, straight supporters who do their bit to stand with us and to work to make things better. Because if you're not inside pissing out, then you're outside pissing in. By which I mean, every time you hear something and you don't step up to correct it, or you read something and you don't respond because it's not about you directly, you are actively supporting the homophobes, driving these young'uns towards depression and thoughts of suicide, and much like the neighbours in Jamaica, you might as well be holding the knife. Oh, it's not been a very funny one this week. I'd apologise, but I don't know how to make this funny. Oh, shit, I'm supposed to end this with a joke. Alright, um... (laughs) It's 2017, and people are still being persecuted, tortured and killed for something they can't control and shouldn't have to hide. Hilarious. This was Probably True, the award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the award-winning Scott Flashheart. If you liked what you've heard, you can share it with your friends, leave a positive iTunes review, and sign up at probablytruepodcast.com. If you didn't like it, you can find me on Twitter as UnlikelyLad. Come at me, bro. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.